Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, Erica and I will be talking about how to invite balance into your life and your witchcraft practice. You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life. Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're your your hosts, hosts, the Mystic Mystic Sisters, Sisters, Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the Three of Swords. The theme of this card is emotional journey. One way to look at this is your mind playing something emotionally painful over and over again and sort of forcing your heart to break with each replay. In this sense, you can remember that you can control your thoughts and not give power to someone else's choice. Not let it have power over you to the point where it hurts each time you think about it. Another way to look at this card um, is an event or a series of events that cause a big pain, like a breakup or divorce, death, miscarriage, loss, all of those types of big events that are very painful. And there's no way to soften that pain. You shouldn't try to because those feelings are part of being human. The only way to move forward after experiencing that loss is to feel the pain that comes with it. So each sword here stabbing this heart brings you the through that process of grief and pain and sadness and heartache, whatever else comes up out of that loss. And really, you have to experience all of these stages. There's the memories of the past that may be bittersweet. There's the heaviness of feeling those emotions in the present, particularly if the loss is recent. And then there's the future where things get easier with each passing day. So do you have a story with the Three of Swords, Erica? So for me, people talk about the tower or the death card or the hanged man as being like these really tragic and horrible cards in the tarot. But for me, it's the Three of Swords. And I almost have a fear of it coming up in when I do card draws because it comes up so often for me, especially in the last year or two, starting with um, when our grandfather, was, our poppy, was put in hospice right before Thanksgiving in 2019. And then all through his death, our grandmother's death, Anna, and our um, my divorce, all of the stuff happening um, in the world with COVID and Black Lives Matter, the riots, all of this. So the Three of Swords were co- was coming up for me a lot because... And I think the reason it was coming up for me is because of my empathic abilities, that I was feeling all of those hurts all the time. And it's hard to kind of wrap your head around um, that they're not my emotions all the time, especially with the world events, and that I don't have to feel them all the time. With my own personal tragedies, you know, separating out what is my true feeling from what is the world's feeling and processing it. Yeah, I think that's good. To And you could even think about the swords as being 
they're separate. And even though they do kind of connect inside of the heart, they're still separate hurts. Um, so looking at them that way. Right. What about you, Maggie? So for me, this is uh, my rejection sensitivity disorder dysphoria card because it's that feeling of just like I keep replaying something that may not even be a real event or a real uh, thing that some slight that someone did to me a real rejection but I'll play it over and over and over again in my head and each time I get that twinge of like e like either it's embarrassment or um or hurt feeling hurt again and so I'm just keep stabbing myself over and over again and you can't stop you know like you get it's like a broken record just continuously hurting myself and so that card usually this card usually shows up for me when I'm experiencing that or when I'm like forcing myself to replay something um so it's kind of a signal to take a step back and and think about, you know, is this a real pain? Is this something that I need to be feeling right now? Um, and if it is a real pain, figuring out how I can move through those emotions and how I can go on with my life. And if it's not, if it's something that I've sort of made up into a bigger deal than it actually is, you know, figuring out how to let that go, which can be challenging. Yeah, I can. I feel those that way, too. Um I, I definitely have some some memories in my life of like, why did I do that? Or man, that really hurt. <laughs> it's just like it's so weird. I have some from when I was like a kid and I'm not even in contact with some of the people involved in these memories. And it still is like so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, it's that's awful. <laughs> well, let's move on to our main topic. So we are going to share some advice about bringing balance into your life and including your witchcraft practice more easily and balanced in all things. Erica, do you know what the triskel is? I think so. That's the symbol that is, um, it's a Celtic symbol with the three spir spirals that meet in a central point, right? Yes. And if viewers or if listeners are unfamiliar with this symbol, it's very easy to Google it. We'll also include an image in the show notes at mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash zero three nine. So one way that I interpret this symbol is that, you know, everything is coming together. Everything is flowing together. It's those three spirals, like Erica said, and they meet at a certain point. And to me, this represents you know, three different aspects of the self. Generally, it's thought, I think of it as like body, mind, and spirit, but it could be different areas of your life, like work, home, spirit, or something like that, and how those things are connected. So I see this symbol as a perfect representation of balance and how you can give to different areas of your life. And when you do, that creates harmony and flow because it all comes together. Yeah, that makes sense because you can view each part of your life separately, but they all sort of orbit around the individual. Um, so you might have a work life, a home life, a TV watching life, a crafting life, um, a spiritual life, an exercise life, a romantic life. There's so many things that we have um, and they all depend on and revolve around you. You're like the sun. Yeah. The sun of your own universe or your own solar system. 
So a couple of different things that you can balance in your life are, you know, these life areas, all of those that Erica listed or anything else that's in your life that you're trying to balance. And when it comes to bringing balance to your life, it helps to determine where most of your resources, your time, your energy, your money, where these are going in your life. So thinking about, you know, a lot of people spend a ton of time in their work life. Um, that's where the majority of most people's time goes. And and that's an exchange for receiving more money and bringing money into your life. So if you feel like you're spending more time at work than you would like and you wish you had more time for like your spiritual side and your witchcraft life, um, the, it might be worth it to like talk to your supervisor or your HR or whoever manages your shifts to see if it's possible for you to get time off at the important holidays for your practice. Say if you, you know, practice if you um, if Samhain is a really important holiday to your practice and you would like to have time off then, maybe you could trade that for time on at a different point in the year and working with your um your workplace for that purpose. I, I'm not a shift worker anymore and I get time off when my when the owner of the company says the clinic is closed today. So um, but I do have unlimited time off. That's one of the benefits that I have. Um, it's non-paid time off, but I also get my PTO as well. Um, but I know that there are like it, the the mentality of where I work is we don't request time off. We tell when we're taking time off, which is such a wonderful way to run a business, I think. Um, it's not, it doesn't feel like I'm having to like ask permission for something. It's just saying like, hey, I've got this going on today. I won't be at work. And then they figure it out. And I can either take it as a non-paid day or I could use my PTO for it, but it doesn't matter how I spend that time. It's mine. Um, And I wish more jobs were like that. Um, I I think also too, you can, um, you know, trade days. So like if, like Maggie mentioned, if Samhain is really important to you or any of the Sabbaths are really important, you could say like, I need this day off, but I'm willing to work on, one of the more conventional days that are usually off. Yeah, like Christmas or Thanksgiving or New Year's, if those are not as important to you um, as Samhain might be. So another thing that you can do is incorporating magic and your spiritual life into the other areas of your life. If you have a workspace at your job, bringing in crystals and plants and things to sort of bring in that spiritual aspect and using essential oils and diffusing if that's allowed in your space Um, and then at home incorporating magic into your cooking and your cleaning and things like that so that when you're doing these when you're spending time and energy in these other areas of your life you can bring spiritually spirituality along with it and I think too you know if we go back to the idea of um, the three spirals being body mind and spirit like you can bring health for your body into all of these aspects too by um, doing chair yoga while you're sitting at your computer by um, getting up and stretching every 20 minutes you know my boyfriend has an app that it'll blank out his screen every 20 to 30 minutes and it he then uses that to look um, 
out the window at a far distance because he's been doing so much up close work looking at the computer screen. He refocuses his eyes to a long distance. And I just think that that's such a, um, a neat way to check in with your body, make sure that everything is good and then continuing on. And, and so it doesn't like when we talk about balancing these different aspects of your life, it doesn't have to be these profound moments of like, I'm balancing. It's just putting all aspects into every aspect. Yeah. Yeah. Like integrating everything into, because it's, originating at you at the center so you're putting yourself and what's important to you into all areas yes so with that idea of balancing the body mind and spirit erica gave a great idea with the movement um at work and we could continue down that train of thought with like so that might be your body your movement um and then incorporating nutrition into like kitchen witchcraft and and adding moon water to your drinking water so that each day you're drinking a little bit of moon energy. Um, but if you think about like uh, things for your mind, maybe like reading and you could read spiritual books and open your mind to different ways of thinking, but also reading books from other religions or other practices that maybe aren't your own practice, but you're expanding your, your knowledge and expanding your what you have in your head um, and then writing and having conversations about those things as well and then for spirit obviously those are those spiritual things that you would do anyway but maybe bringing um, more mundane things into those spiritual practices yeah one of the nice things too about my job is that everybody has lunch from 1 to 1.45. So the clinic is shut down from 1 to 1.45, and then immediately after from 1.45 to 2.30, we have consult time. So there's essentially an hour and a half of not face-to-face time with clients, and it's kind of a time to recharge and reflect. And I know a lot of girls, they'll go on a run. Um, One of the girls I work with, she... Uh, goes to the car wash because that's just something that brings her joy and it's just a kind of a time to like sit and reflect and I've thought about you know doing some yoga during that time I haven't done it yet but I'm getting there Um, and and just thinking about all these different ways to pull in um, these different things that you want to balance I read that's what I actually do during my lunch is I read my novel Um, and that's been I kind of fell away from my love of reading for a while. It just wasn't a priority for me. And so having this 45 minute chunk of time where I can just sit and read and it's my time and I don't have to do anything else is has been really lovely. Yeah. So finding ways to incorporate something like that into whatever your day looks like. Yes. The last thing that I'll say, too, is that... Um, you know, your mind is is an important part of that threesome, of that three spi- spiral. Uh, I think we've got come into a world where um, learning and knowledge is not as appreciated as it used to be. There's a lot of anti-intellectualism in the world. And so Maggie and I talk about we've, we're lifelong learners. We're always learning th- new things. We're always trying to find out and ask questions and... Um, so 
I, th- I feel like a lot of people's minds are out of balance right now. There's a lot of focus on health and nutrition and the body, and there's a lot of focus on um, mental health right now um, and some of like the practices for meditation and all of that for helping with mental health. But I think also um, adding re refinding that piece of learning that has been lost. Yeah, the curiosity aspect of the mind, I think, is definitely definitely missing. This came up on um, an Instagram thread on the Mumbles and Things Instagram earlier this week, and it was that was kind of what was going on because somebody I was just getting so tired of people coming in, and I always delete the comments because it doesn't add anything to the conversation. But people are always trying to save me. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm practicing witchcraft and I'm some sort of sinful person. And um, so I made a reel where I was just like, I don't want you to do that anymore. Go away. Um, and, a, and a lot of the conversation that came from that was like, people just need to, you know, mind their own business and be more open to learning from somebody else and not just assuming that their way is the right way. And instead of coming in and being like, you're doing this wrong, you're bad, you need to be saved by what I believe in, instead coming at me with like some curiosity, like, oh, this is interesting. What is it that you believe? How are our beliefs similar? What can we learn from each other? It's that like coming in with the, well, actually, instead of coming in with the, hmm, I wonder what that's all about, you know? Yeah. I had that literally happen to me um, on September 1st um, for my beliefs and the way that I view the word and world. And I've talked about this before. Um, I've shifted where I think the seasons start. So for most of the world, the seasons start on the equinoxes and the solstices. Um, that And that's just like common knowledge. That's the way everybody thinks. But the way that I see it is more of a bell curve. And so for me, fall started on August 1st. And um, because most people won't let me enjoy fall, because we also have this mentality of like, no, you can't enjoy that. You can't have pumpkin spice lattes. Um, I, I have allowed... I have shifted when I start celebrating fall to being September 1st, even though I really want it to be August 1st. And I had an old professor of mine come in on a post that I had, um, I had the picture of me with my pumpkin spice latte. And I was like, I think that fall starts on August 1st, but here I am celebrating on September 1st or something like that. And she literally did. Well, actually it starts on September 23rd. And I'm like, it it literally is that come at me with, hmm, Erica, why do you believe that? Or why did you say that? I'm curious about this statement. Yeah, that's there's exactly there's no curiosity there because especially since you already made a statement that you weren't that was outside of what is traditionally thought of as the first day of fall according to the Gregorian calendar which is September 21st and so you'd already like made a point of talking about that and then to come out without the gate just like you're already wrong you're wrong on so many levels Um, so I think that's right that there's a lot of the mind not being in balance in 
so many different things and and that's really common too in the spiritual realm with like the misinformation about like the covid um, pandemic and the vaccine and all of that but we'll get back to that after we talk about the herb of the week so this episode is brought to you by rose so I will start by telling you about the medicinal properties that you, and then Maggie will share about the magical properties. So I picked um, to talk about wild rose. Uh, the reason I chose wild rose is because it's a little bit more um, pesticide free and like chemical processing free if you're looking for wild roses and like I would never never recommend doing anything medicinally with a rose that you bought from a florist or a grocery store just because of all of the things that they have to do to make them look the way that they do. Um, so this is about wild rose which is uh, Rosa multiflora, and they are from the family Rosaceae. These are usually climbing and thorned shrubs, and they don't have that very distinctive rose shape that you think of like at Valentine's Day. Um, it, it's very much more of a five-petaled flower blossom. For any of your mixes or teas or tinctures that you make, you're, you're going to be most likely using the flowers and the leaves and then the hips as well. The rose is a, a powerful vulnerary and it reduces pain, heat, and inflammation in wounds. And it can heal um, abrasions and rashes and bites and stings. It's also really good for sunburns and mild baths. So mixing some aloe vera gel with some rose tincture or rose water uh, can help with that. It has a natural antiseptic and antibacterial quality to it. So that transfers into any uh, remedies you might make. It's also um, the flower of the heart, which I'm sure Maggie will talk about a lot more. So because of that, um, it's a really good heart tonic and it's useful um, to treat any kind of trauma, grief, depression, or anxiety, and especially heartbreak. Um, it works as a nervine, and so it helps to calm and soothe those nerves when you're feeling those emotions, those, those strong and deep emotions. It's also really good for the digestive system. It helps with UTIs and yeast and vaginal infections. Is just just an all-around good and helpful flower and herb. And you can also use it in um, any kind of food or salad because the flowers are edible. So you can put it in salad, like I said, drinks, fruit salads. Um, you can put it in some sort of soda or in icing. I know that like on the Great British Book bake-off show they always put rose water into their frostings and uh, again I'll caution that too much can make it taste soapy um, so a little goes a long way so that's for the leaves and the flower and then for the hip um, the hip is particularly good for immunity 
Um, it is very rich in vitamin C, so drinking it or using it when for colds and flus um, is wonderful. And it's also commonly um, made into jams and jellies. So when it comes to the magical properties of using roses, it, it is associated with the passive energy, uh, the planet Venus, the earth and water elements, and Libra. So the magical uses include love, close friendships, domestic peace and happiness, and lasting relationships. So like Erica said, it is the flower of the heart. And you can use it for a lot of different things. Uh, it can be added to incense mixes. Um, and then you can use it for tea. It's Since it's edible, you can use it for tea. And as Erica said, making sure not to use the ones that are full of pesticides. Um, and being sure to get rose dried roses that are food safe. Uh, adding it to a potpourri, it smells wonderful, obviously. And then it can be used in any sort of magic, like candle magic or bath magic. So one of my favorite ways to use roses is to add them to the cleansing herb bundles that I make. And not only do they make it look very pretty because they have those cute little, I use the little rose buds rather than the full rose. Or you can dry the um, petals outside of the bundle of herbs or as the um, sole herb that you use in the bundle. And then burn that, and it smells amazing when you burn rose petals. So that's an alternative to using sage, which is um, controversial, and um, white sage is endangered as well. So it's good to have alternative herbs to use. Or you could simply burn the rose petals or the rosebuds in your cauldron instead of making a bundle. Another one of my favorite ways to use roses is in tea because tea magic is a very important part of my witchcraft practice. So I um, love any sort of herb that I can use in tea and they taste really good. There is that little slight soapy flavor that you can get from any sort of flower that you use in teas. But usually when it's the dried petals, it's not quite as intense. And so drinking tea with roses in it as a way to invite um, more love into your life, whether that's self-love, romantic love, friendships, and things like that. You can use the petals as an offering if you work with spirits or deities. Rose petals are a wonderful offering, especially to Venus or Aphrodite. Another use for roses is for prosperity. So in addition to that love aspect, you can use it for prosperity spells. And I think that's because of the association with wealth and abundance that comes from being able to purchase like a full bouquet of flowers for somebody. Um, so there is that prosperity correspondence. So you adding rose petals to your prosperity spells can help with that purpose. And then specifically with rose hips, which are only found in the wild roses, you can use these in healing spells because of all of those healing things that Erica mentioned. Um, so having like a magical part of your healing practice and any sort of mixtures that you make. And it is thought to bring good luck if you carry a rose hip around with you. And it invites good spirits into your home. So any sort of spirit that you would like to have around, um, you know, the kind that clean your house and give you good energy, um, leaving rose hips around the windows and the door frames can invite those spirits in. 
before we were talking about the rose and the magical herb of the week, the herb of the week, um, we alluded to this balance between science and spirituality and how to balance these things. And there is this line that witches walk between what is known and what is unknown. So there's through scientific study, modern witches, we know things that ancient people maybe didn't know. And we continue to explore into the imagination and the spirit realm and other mysteries that can't really be explained with science. So as we walk this line between belief, our spiritual beliefs, and scientific fact, we are studying things that are spanning the realms of vibration. So there's the physical vibration and the spiritual vibration. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, there's something that I'm I'm sure that most people are aware of called su- pseudoscience that's everywhere within the woo-woo-woo community. Um, pseudoscience uses language authority figures and references to scientific studies in a way that gives an appearance of something that's driven, informed, and validated by science, but without the sincere rigor, transparency, accountability, and willingness to follow data and accept findings. Um, The willingness to accept that when predictions have been made, which is how science works through hypothesis, observation, and conclusion, that they must be either proven, true, or retested. So basically, pseudoscience is cherry-picking scientific research and conclusions to fit a narrative. When somebody's only talking about studies that prove the idea and ignores everything that disproves or contradicts it, it's pseudoscience. Yes, and to extrapolate on what Erica explained as science, it is both the collection of knowledge that humanity has discovered And it is also the process of learning more through asking questions, making observations, and coming to conclusions based on those observations. And then again, those conclusions are tested, retested by other scientists who are asking the same questions. So most of the time, pseudoscience comes from someone mistaking correlation between two events and causation. Um, So if we look at what those two words mean, we have correlation is when one event happens and another event happens, but there may or may not be any connection between these two events, where causation is when the first event resulted in the second event. So correlation is usually pseudoscience. Usually pseudoscience is founded in correlation, and causation is what can be proven through scientific theory and um, method, scientific method. Now, correlation and causation are often confused because humans like to find patterns. We want to see patterns when events appear to be associated that implies a cause and effect relationship. And one of my favorite things to do is there's a website that has just charts and charts and charts of correlations. And I can't remember the name of the website um, right now, but it's easy to Google if you're interested in doing it. And it's very funny. My favorite chart that they put up is um, the correlation between, I think it's deaths by drowning and Nicolas Cage film releases. (laughs) There's a positive correlation between those two things. There's it's Nicolas Cage re- releasing a film doesn't cause deaths dr- by drowning to occur, 
But when you put the data points together, there is a correlation. Yeah. Well, and another one that you is um, interesting is a correlation between shark attacks and ice cream sales. There's more if there's more ice cream sales, there's more shark attacks. And so there's a correlation there. But the causation is that it's summertime. So it's summer and that's causing ice cream sales to go up. And it's also causing more people to be at the beach and therefore more shark attacks. But if you look at the correlation, it looks like more ice cream sales cause shark attacks. So those are just two silly examples of what correlation could be versus what causation is. But when it comes to, you know, spirituality, looking, we want a lot of what spirituality is about is looking for signs and connections and finding meaning. For Yes, for some, the purpose of the spiritual practice is to get enough flow with energy so that you can get what you want by being in the right place at the right time and reading all the hidden signs and know that the universe is rewarding you. That's not to say causation is better than correlation. It just needs to be, we just need to be careful with what we're believing because it's based in scientific fact and what we're believing because it's a spiritual experience. Yes, because there, that's the balance that we have to find is you know, saying that I can only believe in something if it's proven by science doesn't leave much room for having that spiritual practice. But so many of us have had true spiritual experiences um, that there is room for that as well. And figuring out what the balance there is and how to keep yourself from, you know, falling down to believing like pseudoscience because it's helpful to have scientific backing for your um, spiritual beliefs and just allowing your beliefs to be um, unexplainable, you know? Right. And, you know, it goes back to that quote of magic is science we just haven't explained yet. You know, it's a, a spiritual experience, something that is unexplainable and unknowable. It you know, with enough scientific study and rigor, maybe one day could be explained. And that doesn't take away the power from that spiritual experience. It's still something that happened to you that was meaningful and important. And for, I think what Maggie and I are arguing is that having that knowledge and knowing why something happened and occurred is just as powerful as having had it occurred. Finding that balance between faith and acceptance and knowledge and science is where we're kind of coming from. Right, because on the other hand, um, pushing out science because it doesn't, um, a lot of times science doesn't make room for spiritual experiences. I see that happening a lot in the spiritual community as well. It's just like, well, science is meaningless because I'm a spiritual person. But there can be that balance. And that's, again, that's what we're arguing is that there can, you can have room for both. And it's okay <laughs> if something can't be explained by science or, um, and you can be spiritual and also science-minded. Yes. So let's move on to an, uh, one way to bring more balance. Uh, uh, what I think is sort of an easy way to bring balance into different areas of your life, and that's through looking to the elements. So if you understand the elements, 
um, they can bring a lot of balance to any area of your life if you just have some aspect of each element in the different areas of your life. Uh, we'll just quickly go through the four classical elements, which are earth, air, fire, and water, and each of them has a specific energy, which Erica, can you share the different energies associated with each element? Yeah, so earth is about stability, firmness, being grounded, and prosperity. Air is about lightness and adaptability, clear thought, and being open. Fire is about passion, being powerful with activity, with change, and with your will. Um, and then water is about purifying and being fluid, having some transformation and healing. Yes. And one thing that you can look at for yourself personally is looking at how these elements are balanced in your natal chart. So looking at your big three, your sun, your moon, and your rising signs and which element and giving those sort of like higher weight, a weighted value versus the other signs in your chart. And then figuring out what the balance is of your elements. Um, a lot of times people have, well, it's, it's across the board. There's some people who are very heavy in one specific element. There's some people who are, have maybe one or two. And then there's some people who have a good mix of all of these. Um, but it, you might find that if you are really heavy in like fire, for example, you might benefit from bringing in some earth energy um, or water energy would be the opposite of fire. Um, and then thinking about them in terms of air and fire, they are both active energies and water and earth are both passive energies. So if you're heavy and active, adding more passive uh, and all of that. For me, my chart, I'm all earth all over the place and um and i have a smattering of air and fire but i have no water to be found in my chart and so i crave water i crave all things water my favorite animal is an otter i um like to swim i like to be by the ocean i hate the beach you know because of sand thanks anakin but i love the ocean and um all, all of the things that I reach towards, my deities, my um, like elements of practice, the crystals and uh, herbs that I tend to use have that water component to it. And so it, 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 I didn't even realize I was doing it until I started looking at my chart more deeply. And I was like, oh, that's why I like water so much because I don't have it in my me. <laughs> Yeah, and alternatively, I'm pretty um, balanced with all of the elements. I think the only one that I don't have that much of is fire. Um, but I have red hair, so I'm fiery enough. <laughs> um, but at the same time, candle magic is my favorite kind of magic, and I am attracted to fire um, and like burning things and using incense. Like, that's a common practice for me. Not burning things. I don't do that too much. Don't worry. I'm not <laughs> crazy. She's not an arsonist, everybody. <laughs> but I like to sit at a campfire, and I like to um, have incense burning constantly. And my go-to type of magic is candle magic. So, um, so if you examine your chart, it's very revealing to things that you might already be attracted to. And it also might show you where if you're feeling out of balance, where you can bring some more balance. 
Uh, and you can do this with your space as well. So you like your space with the clothes that you wear. Um, those are just different ways that you can bring those elements into your life um, using the colors of the elements wearing those colors, painting the walls in your house, the color that is associated with the elements. If you need to bring in more earth or water or air energy into your life, plants are a great way to do that. Um, candles are associated with all of the elements because they have the flame, the smoke, the um, solid wax, and the melted wax. Those are all four elements, but they're most mostly fire. And then crystals and stones, those are really earth. Um, they have strong earth energy, but they also have different associations with the elements. So like aquamarine is a water stone, but it's also got that earth element because it comes from the earth. And, and actually thinking about it, that might be why Erica doesn't use crystals that much because she has so much I, earth. <laughs> I literally was just thinking that. I was like, oh, maybe the, I don't like the crystals. I, like, it's not that I don't like them. It's just that they don't speak to me because I don't need them. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, bringing in the elements into your space, I feel like that's pretty simple way to bring some balance in areas that you might be lacking those certain elements, um, and you might be surprised by the balance that comes from that. Like you want more confidence or whatever, wearing fire stuff. Mm -hmm. Not wearing fire, don't wear fire. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me while I wear my fire. <laughs> Don't, Erica. <laughs> now we're getting silly. So, so this segment is about the service magic that we wanted to incorporate with Libra season because of its association with social justice and equality. This week, we are supporting the ACLU because they support anybody who needs support. And so because of that, there's quite a balancing act that has to happen for making sure that everybody gets recognized and um, served in the, in the way that is most equitable. Um, so the ACLU dares to create a more perfect union beyond one person, party, or side. Their mission is to realize this promise of the United States Constitution for all and to expand the reach of its guarantees. Since there are so many different causes that the ACLU supports, you can go to their website and read about each different cause and decide which thing is the most important to you or what you would like to do something about this week um, based on your own ethics and morals and, and values. And the ACLU has done a great job of giving you advice about how you can support that cause. Your magical um, activity for that will be very dependent on which cause you're supporting but if you were, say, uh, as we're recording this, it's uh, National Register to Vote Day. So if you were wanting to uh, do support voting rights, you might do a ritual um, where, like I said, I like to do candle magic. So I'll give a candle magic uh, example. But you might, you know, light a candle, carve into a candle, 
that you you believe that voting rights should be given to all citizens maybe creating a sigil with that uh, voting is a right of all um a sigil with that and carve that into the candle and then light the candle and as the candle burns you can visualize all different kinds of people going to the ballot and being able to cast their vote for someone to represent them in government. And finally, you can also donate to the ACLU. There's a link to that in the show notes at mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash zero three nine. And now we'll continue our celebration of the goddesses from around the world. As always, I'm using the Legendary's Lady, Legendary Ladies Goddess deck by Anne Shen. And this week I pulled Eracura, I think is how you pronounced it. It's A-E-R-A-C-U-R-A. She is a Germanic-based goddess of the well, underworld. Well, that's actually perfect because uh, I just got a blossoming tea. So um, she I've says had it it's your for a time to while, shine, but I and you're like coming into your own with the assistance of the really, goddess of the underworld uh, and prosperity. To use it. You are being and recognized so this gives me an for the beautiful soul This is my special moment to, use to blossom. drink my blossoming so tea. How and, um, will you know, planning on you invite intent, you know watching the flower blossom as it warms into your in the hot water this week, and inviting that into me as I drink the tea, and then. That'll be part of me, and I'll be a flower. Yay. What about you? Let's see. I think that um, I am starting to blossom into the leader and mentor that um, I know I am and can be. I have more responsibilities at work and just sort of focusing on as those responsibilities come in, doing them with integrity and doing them as well as I can and really showing that this is who I am and who I want to be. So we also want to hear from you. Go to witchwanderer.com and answer the question, how will you bloom this week? Next week, our card is the Four of Swords. And this card is all about uh, taking a temporary retreat for contemplation, for reflection, um, thinking about your inner fears, different emotional ghosts from your past, and making time for yourself to be alone, finding your own space, uh, relaxing, taking it easy, standing back, reviewing your situation that you're in, and making preparation for the future, planning for the future. And it's about, you know, taking stock. So slowing down and all of that. And so Erica and I will be looking for instances where the Four of Swords um, shows up in our lives. And if you would like to share a story about the Four of Swords, please send us a voicemail to we listen at talkwitchcraft.com. We would love to hear from you. 
You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 039. Join us next week when we talk about communication. And make sure that you subscribe so that you are notified about each new episode. To help other witches find this show, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us at on Instagram at Mumbles and Things and join us in the Mumbles Academy to chat about this episode with other witchy folk. Bye-bye. Goodbye. <laughs> I just inhaled my spit. <laughs> it happens. Spit happens. Yeah. <laughs> no, now I have to add it to the podcast. <laughs> All right. <laughs>